keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal you and I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. This is the Bad Batch edition, and I am Michael, your host and my co-pilot in the Back to Tank. Yeah, because I put co-pilot seats in Back to Water. (laughs) Back to Water. So that if we're injured in flight, we can just start healing immediately. Hello, David. Hello there. All right. So here we are. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing episode nine of the Bad Batch's first season titled Bounty Lost, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Mike, or I should say Matt Mitchovitz. Okay. Reveals. Reveals and more reveals. <laughs> Corbett and Filoni are taking this story down a few paths I wasn't aware we'd be going. And I am thankful because. There's a lot of things that they do nowadays in Star Wars that I can easily predict for whatever reason, especially when we're talking about the Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. It's kind of easy because I feel like much of the Mandalorian feels like a paint by numbers TV show. Yeah. Um, Bad Batch is very different than that because, of course, it's led solely for the most part by Dave Filoni. And I was pleasantly surprised. Omega's true importance has been made clear. We oh, had, dude. We had an idea that she was important due yes. to how she was cloned. That that much was clear in the early, early episodes. But to use the words of the Bad Batch, everyone has a purpose. So we immediately asked the question, well, okay, well, what's hers? Oh, yeah. Now we know. She is important to the Kaminoans because she's an original, unaltered clone made from the pure DNA taken from Jango Fett. Yes, he, she, she's a pure genetic replication. She's the last pure source that they know of, except for, drumroll, Boba Fett. Yes. So basically, and this is why I like it, she's a female Fett. Yes, she's her. She's she's essentially Fett's sister. I really like this, and I like it. I hope they continue down this path. The sister of Boba Fett, essentially a female clone of Django. Yes, that is awesome. Well, it also brings into the to, to the scope of like. Remember, one of the things that a lot of Star Wars fans, I always remember when the Clone Wars first started. Everyone made fun of the fact that oh, that's all Django wanted was a perfect perfect uh just the clone of himself right and it seemed like a silly thing but now there's a really important ramifications of why 
Bobo was actually really important to Django because like he was the, he was to Django. He's the only pure replication of his DNA. I still feel like that's a kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've always had a problem with that in star Wars. Like why now in the movie, it worked just fine. I'm like, okay, that Django fat wanted a, an unaltered clone. So he could train himself. Right. And I'm like, okay, I can accept that. But now that we've moved past that and we continue this story pertaining to fat and we continue to find ways to tell his story. I think we need more than just that. Well, especially why did Django want a clone because he needed a kid? Like, let's expand on that a bit. And I, I have a feeling that eventually we will, because a lot of this season, David feels like, yes, it's its own thing, but it's also helping to lay down a potential path for the series yeah, to, to kind of expand out the world a bit and then focus in on characters like Finnick Shand and Boba Fett because her name, of course, Omega, it makes even more sense now because you have Boba being called the alpha, which is the first and then Omega being the last. I mean, this was interesting for a lot of reasons. It makes you wonder what Boba has been up to because they said that no one has heard or seen him since the beginning of the war. And of course, that war being the Republic versus the Separatists, the entire thing that created the Clone Wars. We know he has connections to Cad Bane, as yes. we discussed in our last episode. And when you take into account that Boba has his own series coming real soon, it makes you wonder if by fleshing out Omega's story, if it's going to end up connecting in some way with Boba. And, we're, and if we see him. If Bubba shows up in this in the series. Yes. And that leads me to my question for you, Dave. Is that something you feel like we need? After this episode? Yes. Because it's carrying on a theme that Filoni had since in the beginning of Clone Wars, where he was de- delving into the story of the importance of the clones DNAs and what made them good, what made them perfect. And, you know, you have the stories, especially with the Bad Batch. They're imperfect clones, but they were genetically altered to suit certain certain stats and stuff like mm-hmm. that right well back in clone wars they did like four episodes in a row i used to remember where it was like storylines dealing with the importance of the clones dna how there were there were like imperfect clones there were handicapped clones that were treated like lesser that would be me i would probably be um you know, an accident clone. Like, <laughs> an accident clone. Yeah, it, and I'd have a handicap. But like... I have big legs and small penis. It'd be weird. I'd look weird. It really... It, 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 <laughs> I'm just picturing that in my head. But like, it really puts it into perspective about the idea, the statement that was always made about Boba Fett. He is the perfect clone. What made him perfect? Boba Fett. And like... Everyone basically it comes in this episode. You begin to realize when they mean a pure genetic replication, they both alpha, both Omega and Boba Fett are perfect. They're perfect clones. Yeah. Imagine and think about in the grand scheme of the Star Wars universe, how many times has the Emperor tried to actually chase the whole clone thing? Yeah. And it's failed. But you have these two people who were created by the uh, Kaminoans. That are perfect. Well, I like that. I'm glad you brought up the whole Palpatine thing because it's it is an idea that feels like 
they can't get right. Not, not not the writers. I'm talking about the people trying to clone. Yes. And it needs to become something that is a little difficult. And the whole idea that, you know, you you can't clone a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone because they just become stupid they become and pointless, you know, almost like multiplicity with Michael <laughs> Keaton. You know, he talks about Pippa, yes. Steve, like it's it makes sense that you're you're continuing to clone something that degrades and that's actual true science it is you always need that that the original specimen if you hope to continue your your studies into cloning a specific you know creature human animal whatever it may be so the the idea that cloning is a difficult process even for people like the Kaminoans that specialize in it then they realize that they don't have an uh, an edge any longer and the whole concept behind that and and what it means to the empire and their relationship, it makes a lot more sense that they are actively seeking out this character Omega now because we need that original DNA, DNA in order to keep the empire from turning on us or taking, you know, our people, enslaving us, you know, destroying our way of life, whatever it may be. Well, essentially, it gives, it gives essentially having the perfect. The, the the DNA, the reason why the Kaminoans want it mm. is because they can develop their own army. Right. And especially during this time when you, you have think that's the what they're trying to do. Yeah. You think that's that's their you get the idea the, that their counter plan, what do they call it? Yeah, the counter plan was to that actually, wasn't the right word, but uh, the or their their uh, plan B, if yeah. you will. Yeah. But like their their idea is to be prepared in case the Empire actually turns their right. sights on them. Okay, because I didn't think about that before. I thought they needed Omega to prove to the Empire they can create clones that they still want, but actually your idea or your interpretation actually sounds better and makes more sense that, hey, we need this because we need to make a new army that's going to protect us. Well, think about it. I mean, even like with the interactions with the Prime Minister and the one uh, general from the Empire, the one general from the Empire sees the clones as they're they're not needed. They're imperfect. Right. I can make better soldiers than them. And meanwhile, the Prime Minister is like going, well, you see our clone technology is actually perf- is being perfected, mm-hmm. and we could create super soldiers. So what is your super soldiers going to do against uh, – again, what's your, what's your soldiers going to do against our super soldiers? Right. That's the storyline story between the Kaminoans and the Empire that I think a lot of people are – Kind of not realizing unless you're actually really, really watching how like the political landscape and the Star Wars era at this time is going. Mm-hmm. Everyone's afraid of the Empire. They don't want the Empire actually turning their sights on him. It's why the rebels are actually hiding. Not Saw Guerrero. He wants it. He's like, come at me, bros. But even him, he's hiding. Yeah. He's hiding still. <laughs> and like... Even like down to Rex, Rex is in hiding. Why? Because they don't want to get the Empire's attention. The Kaminoans, they see it as, okay, once we're... Well, they can't really hide. They're, yeah. they're a civilization. Exactly. Yeah. But once they once they fall out of favor of the Empire, the Empire's just going to turn on them and oh, just yeah. take them over. Of course. And, and I'm hoping they do... Oh, man, let's put a pin in this. The Kaminoan aspect connected to Palpatine. We'll get to that in a second. Because it does... No, no, no. Let's talk about it now. Fine. Um, But it does make sense if we're dealing with uh, allegedly the greatest cloning facilities in history, right? Yes. The Kaminoans. They are the the place you want to go if you want to, you know, if you want something cloned, right? Oh, yeah, because that's how their species actually grows. Right. So 
I think from a writing standpoint and as a fan, they have to at some point connect this to Palpatine. Oh, absolutely. And, and not just in the obvious like, hey, execute Order 66 and the clones. It was all ploy. No, actually connect this to Palpatine's clones and exactly. what he does. Connect it to Snoke. Connect it to uh, Palpatine and his ability to continue to live on. Things like that. Now, I'm, I know they gave us that awful you know, exposition throwaway line in the last... Well, what the fuck was that last Star Wars film called? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Jesus. I've, I'm just so like over those movies. Over those movies now? Um, the... The Rise of Skywalker, yeah, you know, because of what they did with Rise of Skywalker, and they did that awful exposition throwaway line, oh, dark, dark arts, Sith cloning. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's how you said it, too. Oh, dark arts, Sith cloning, this is what we're really up to, guys. It's fucking awful. But because of that line, you know, I, I feel like it explains away things, like the Sith have their own cloning methods, but it would make sense if possibly that technology was adapted or connected in some way to the Kaminoans. Yeah. Well, especially since the one Easter egg that I thought was really cool was seeing the Kaminoan technology, and it's the same technology that basically you see in Rise of Skywalker. Okay, so, David, why are you taking us there already? Why? Because, <laughs> Mike, it's right there. You I, might as well bring it up. <laughs> I know people are hoping we get some Palpatine stuff. Because we are dealing with clones. I told you and, the last episode. And I'm on board that train as long as it doesn't suck. I think a lot of people were thinking this abandoned cloning facility would shed some light on the Palpatine clones and how that whole thing got started. But there's also other connections now. Various articles, and I'm going to quote one. I believe <laughs> it's from Hollywood Reporter. Scary. Uh, okay, so here's their line. Elsewhere in the facility, Omega finds several large Snoke-like specimens and green amniotic tanks similar to the ones the Sith Eternals has on Exegol in the Rise of Skywalker. It's the it's the same technology, but no, those those the beings inside the, they look like Kaminoans. They're Kaminoans. No, no, they are okay because that's how the Kaminoans reproduce. All right. See, I. I wasn't aware of that, but I did think that was a Kaminoan. But then I saw all these articles popping up saying, was that a Snoke-like clone? No, no, no. The, the, thing, the big thing for me is actually seeing the technology. The technology that was being used is exactly what basically we saw at, uh, in Rise of Skywalker, meaning the, the Emperor still was using the technology that he knew about. Because remember, the Emperor said that Palpatine set this all up. Yeah. He knows the Kaminoans. So he probably has that technology anyhow, but he doesn't know how to perfect it. Yeah, possibly. And maybe that's how he'll use the Kaminoans in the, in the end, in the which end. I'm fine with that. I didn't expect to get anything like relevant, honestly, from that abandoned cloning facility, because why would Palpatine leave behind no evidence like that? that unprotected, unguarded. Exactly. It, it's, it's, so, it's the Kaminoans. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought it was. But I'm not going to say these theories are outlandish because, unfortunately, you would, you know, the title that I'm about to read right now to you may blow your mind. And, yes, you may think it's the, it's the, it's the thing. David, it's the, you may think it's the thing of fan fiction, but it's actually included in Star Wars canon now thanks to a recent comic book. So these theories pertaining to Snoke and Palpatine aren't ridiculous because... 
Star Wars did imply that Luke Skywalker's severed hand was used to create snow. (laughs) I knew about this. Yes. um, David, you know, that sounds awful. (laughs) That just sounds so fucking silly. Yeah. So convoluted. It's fucking dumb. Now, if that was included in the movie in a smart way, then I could co-sign. But just going to that now and trying to explain who Snoke is, I feel like a lot of writers like us, the fans, were upset with Ryan's decision, Ryan Johnson's decision to just kill kill Snoke without any real character development. Because I never cared that the character got killed. What I got upset about was you just killed a character when there was a buildup from the first movie without giving him any real true development as as a character and he just feels pointless and nothing more than a plot device that really didn't matter in the end so that aggravated me but if they (laughs) but i feel like them going back now i feel like all these star wars writers are trying to fix the obvious it just feels so fucking superficial and cheap so now everyone's trying to go back and and give purpose or value to snoke and the way I look at it is don't do it. Just it's done. It's a horrible decision. Yeah. Let's move on. And them trying to turn it into the clone of Luke at this point, <laughs> it feels very contrived and desperate to fix the prequel or the sequel trilogy. We haven't, we haven't talked a lot about like the star Wars comic in a while. Yeah. And because we've been covering the good stuff. Do you stuff. like that idea, Dave? Hell no. Uh, okay. <laughs> because here's the thing. I read the comic. I read the comic, Mike. Yeah. And essentially, yeah, by the end of it, you begin to realize one of two things. Number one, Vader realizes whose hands that is, which I'm trying to figure out how. <laughs> well, he's all like, well, um, I did cut my son's hand off. <laughs> cut my son's hand off. Hi, hi Luke. Hi. <laughs> And like, then you come to the second realization that basically they're working on making a clone based off of the hand. And then you, you get that illusion that basically it's Snoke. Yeah. And then I was like going, we haven't covered a lot of the star Wars comic. It, the main title. Yeah. I'm not a huge, super <laughs> huge fan of the main ongoing title. It's not awful, but I'm not a huge yeah. fan. I this, like all the ancillary stories they're doing. Yeah. This this moment just recently, I, I have told people, this is the comic jumping the shark. Yeah. It's absolutely jumping the That's shark because, bad. like, the whole point is, how did they find his hand? They don't even explain how the emperor found his hand. So you mean to tell me that someone just randomly... Found this hand on Cloud City. That's exactly what happened, Dave. Some random Ugnaught found <laughs> Luke's hand. Found Luke's and, hand. And went up to Palpatine and, and said, hey, you do you need a hand? <laughs> do you need a hand? <laughs> oh, uh, you're such a helpful little Ugnaught. <laughs> exactly. I will now clone this to make a horrible teammate called Snoke. Snoke. We use him to manipulate the entire world. And, and It's going to be great. And the sad part in the comic, Mike. And guess who it actually is going to be? It's going to be Luke Skywalker. I win. There was there was a moment in the comic where they basically say, what drew him to the hand? The force. The dark side oh, drew him oh, to the hand. Oh. And I'm like, going, you motherfucker. That's bad. Okay, That's we need to bring bad. it back to this show, Dave. You're so, making me angry and you're going into territory. Yes. That yes. is beyond me. That's beyond <laughs> so let's bring it back to the show. Something good. Um, this is good. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about Omega and Boba Fett yeah. here. I hope they do 
bring him in at this point. Originally, I'm like, eh, we don't really need him. The show's about Omega and the Bad Batch. But now, the f- now it would make sense because, yes, this show is about Omega for the most part. And now they connected those two characters. Now it would absolutely work to bring Boba in and it wouldn't feel contrived or or uh, an, uh, or wouldn't even feel forced. And it won't feel like a moment of just simply fan service. There's a reason yeah. now to bring that character in. I like that. I, I feel like it would be a great way to continue to build that path towards the Boba Fett series coming out especially because we have Phoenix Shan's involvement. She knows of Omega. She knows about the Kaminoans. Yes. So she is very much aware of what's happening. I'm hoping we see Shan meet Fett later in the series. It would actually make a bit more sense. The scene in the Mandalorian where Fett saves Shan never sat well with me. In fact, I said it during our discussion why did he decide to save her for some random, like just some random person outside yes. in the desert died? Why are you saving them? Makes no sense. So if they use this series to shed a little bit of light on that and explain, well, Hey, they knew each other. She took him under her wing, possibly. Then yeah. suddenly now flash forward 20 some years, it would make more sense why he chose to save her and why they're now teamed up. Yes. Especially, I, I, especially the 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 possibilities now with Book of Boba Fett, especially with this revelation, has me wondering if we are going to get allusions to Omega. Because remember, Book of Boba Fett yeah. is supposed to be Boba Fett telling us stories David, about I, him. I bet you we are. I, I have a feeling that's why they're doing this because they want to make everything fit. Now, if Filoni wasn't the executive producer of The Mandalorian, then I'd say mm, maybe. But Baloney is. <laughs> is involved, not with the writing necessarily, but he is involved creatively. He's a creative producer. And because of that, I feel like, yeah, that would make perfect sense. And it'll continue to bring that cohesiveness we keep talking about when it comes to Filoni and the world of Star Wars that he continues to flesh out. So it does make sense. And I'm hoping we get it. The Kaminoans. This is our last bit for today. The Kaminoans are way more villainous than I had originally suspected. They always came off a bit ambiguous in the way of agenda, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But if you're telling a story like the one with Omega, they needed to become something a little darker, something a little more deeper. We need to learn about the Kaminoans. And because of that, it makes Omega's story that much more interesting, putting her life in jeopardy having the leader of the cloning facility view her as simply a specimen that can be destroyed when she's no longer useful. It's an interesting direction to take. It raises the stakes, creates a definitive purpose for Omega and the bad batch because they are no longer fighting to find their place in the galaxy post-war, but are fighting for their right to exist. Yes. They're fighting. Also their motivation now is the protection of Omega because Omega is essentially they're a family now. And it's it's really cool getting to see the Bad Batch turn from soldiers to mercenaries to a family. And Omega, yeah, I agree. Oh, the the thing about Omega that I'm like really this whole revelation in this episode that I like was the fact that now it's no longer a story about everyone versus the Empire. No, it's everyone versus everyone at this point. Because the Kaminoans are not trying to help the Empire. They're trying to actually protect themselves. You have the Bad Batch 
who just want to get on with their lives. You have the empire or at least who's, figure out what that means, what it means. Yeah. And then you have the empire basically just conquering the entire galaxy. Meanwhile, the Reb- rebels and Rex and all of them are scattered to the four winds and they don't know what they're going to do. Everyone's in hiding. So you have this like very chaotic feeling now, thanks to this episode, because originally it was just like you said, it was like, it felt to me like everyone versus the empire after this episode. No, the Kaminoans have their own agenda, especially when the prime minister tells them flat out, I want you to collect the, I think he said collect the DNA and then terminate the clone because they want to cover up their tracks. And it's so it's much, it's much, it gives the Kaminoans a much more sinister vibe. No, I agree. And we, and we we needed that. And we needed that. Yeah, it's good. Okay, Dave. So really fast, I forgot this part on my notes here. Now, this is definitely a dumb fan theory, and I wouldn't even call it a fan theory of <laughs> okay. mine. Of mine. I'm not calling this a fan theory, but <laughs> okay. I have I hate to even say this because I don't want to be got one to. of those. You got okay, to does Does Crosshair become Dengar? <laughs> Have you, were, you thinking, that? were you thinking yeah. that too? Did I, I I did actually think it. Okay, because, because when he has those bandages. When he has the bandages. Dude, they are wrapped exactly like Dengar's. And I was like going, why is why is Crosshair No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Now, now normally this wouldn't work, Dave. It normally wouldn't work because there are a lot of stories pertaining to Dengar. Yes. But that's been retconned. We don't know anything necessarily. Wait, was Dengar in Clone Wars? No. No. I'm not sure. He would be a child. He'd be a baby. I don't think he was. I'm not sure. So everything about Dengar has been retconned except what we have seen in Empire Strikes Back (laughs) and in the comics. That's it. So does Crosshair become Dengar? (laughs) (laughs) And and this is why you were nervous about bringing this up. Because it sounds stupid, but... (laughs) I would be okay with it if they did it right. I mean, Crosshair's got to put on a few pounds, but. Especially since it's Filoni. Yeah. Filoni seems to have like a game plan. And that's what I really like about this. I like about Star Wars where it is right now is because like, especially with Filoni in charge, you know that there's a reason he does things. Yeah. So why, why would he specifically put crosshairs like that? Yeah, well, unless uh, like crosshair, crosshair, crosshair. You keep uh, crosshair, you know, plural. But cross, uh, why would he do that unless something happens to that character? Yeah, because like the one big question that I constantly had since the beginning of Bad Batch is, okay, where are these guys? Are they all dead? Mm -hmm. Because they have to be somewhere. What if they're hiding in plain sight and they're characters that we've all seen? That would be so genius if if Filoni pulled it yeah. off. I mean, look, he already did it with Rex. He did it with Rex, yeah. He, he allowed Rex to be hiding in plain sight by just simply taking a character from Return of the Jedi and saying, <laughs> yeah, that's Rex. Rex. <laughs> yeah. All right. So episode nine, my RMD score is 88%. I'll keep it simple. It was a fun episode. Go for it, Dave. My RMD score for this episode is a 90. I think it's a really strong episode and one of my favorite ones. It has one of my biggest 
favorite reveals in the entire season so far because I was so afraid that they would actually go down the route that everyone was thinking Omega was going to be a Jedi. Yeah. Omega was going to be tied to the force. Well, it's not too late, Dave. <sighs> it's not too late, but I'm sorry. I'd rather her stay as the perfect clone, kind of like Boba. What if they inject her with midichlorians? midichlorians. I'm like, that's the <laughs> ultimate plan. We're oh, going dude. to splice your DNA with a Jedi. Would you, would you actually... Would you, if Filoni if actually went back to that, said, you know what? George wanted it to be Metachlorians. Yeah. We're going to do this. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's turn her into, let's say you find the remains of Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> oh, wait, he disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared. But, <laughs> listen, you can still have his DNA someplace on file. So let's turn her into like Omega Fett Jinn. <laughs> Jinn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital. When you pledge $5 or more a month, you will gain access to hundreds of hours of additional Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions. We do all types of things on Patreon exclusively for Patreon subscribers. We do so so that we can continue to do these shows. The only way we can keep doing these shows is if people pledge. In fact, I'm going to be putting together a pledging strategy, I think, next month that will show people what we need, our goals to hit on Patreon in order for us to continue into 2022. So I am holding our show ransom. Pledge or there is no show. Do you like that, Dave? Is that, you think that's a good strategy? Uh, that's a very good strategy. It worked yes. for the Empire. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to put a gun to their heads. <laughs> their heads. <laughs> Just joking. And we'll have any bullets, I promise. All right. Thank you. Thank you. May the force be with you. Ah, yes. Ah!